Thank you so much for tuning in to OK Clinton. Today we're talking with a very special guest, one who you may have seen at parent-teacher conferences, at various events, at school, or maybe out in the community. Yes, today we had the privilege to talk to Mr. Gary DeLacy. He's the superintendent for Clinton Community School District. And though he only came into the superintendent role, Kate and I's senior year of high school, we are still very excited to hear what he has to say. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what um, Mr. DeLacy talks about and just his experience at um, Clinton Community School District and just his story in general. Yeah, there's so much going on, I feel like, in the CCSD world and so many upcoming projects, and hopefully he can tell us a little bit more about them. So without further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Gary DeLacy. Hi, Mr. DeLacy. Hi, Mr. DeLacy. Hello there, ladies. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, thank you. We're yes. so glad that you're able to take some time out of your day to talk with us. Yes, we are so excited to talk with you today. You know, that's that's great. Former students that actually want to talk to the superintendent. Let me get that <laughs> marked down. Yeah, record it down. Put it in the books. Yeah. Right. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit for our listeners who may not know what you do or who you are? Can you introduce yourself to them? Yeah, my name is Gary DeLacy. I'm the superintendent of schools for Clinton. Uh, I'm just finishing my third year. Uh, I did have a previous history with Clinton where I was a math teacher at Clinton High School for 16 years. So that was from 1985 to 2001. Uh, a lot of parents in the community, actually, I had as students. So it's kind of unique that I had that teaching era at Clinton. Then I left for 16 years. And now I've come back for the last three and I'm interacting with some of my former students that are now parents. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I bet that's kind of crazy. Like It is. Um, some, of, some of the conversations we kind of laugh at because it's like, wow, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. I remember <laughs> this conversation 25 years ago with a, a younger person and now I'm having it with your child. So. That's so funny. That's yeah. so funny. That's like full circle right there. Yeah, I didn't, there you go. I did not. Well, if it gets to the point that it's grandchildren that I'm talking <laughs> to, then I know I need to retire. <laughs> See, I didn't realize that you were a math teacher. I didn't either. I'm actually a math major, so, you know. Hey. Yeah. And there's plenty of jobs there, Olivia. I'm going to tell you right now, if you go into math education, you, you will have your pick of anywhere you want to go. I don't know if you're going to go in that slant. There's obviously other good careers in yeah. math, but I, it was great. It was rewarding to me. I love working with kids and I had a passion for math. So those two things came together. Maybe, maybe down the road, <laughs> I'll find myself in education, but I think after college, I'm going to want to try to develop some other skills and some other industries, but I've definitely considered, you know, maybe getting my PhD and being a math professor at a go. college or something. There you go. There you go. So what made you decide to turn to administration uh, for schools instead of being uh, a I had a number of uh, mentors when I was a teacher at Clinton High School, and these are probably some names you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, I would I would begin with uh, Bill Holmstrom, who was a longtime athletic director at Clinton High School. Uh, this is when I was a young teacher there that 
saw some things in me and, and he said, well, if you're going to get your master's degree, because a lot of times in education, you know, to advance and make more pay, you, you increase your education. And he encouraged me, don't do it in math, uh, do it in administration. That'll give you flexibility down the road if you want to change your career. And at that point, I had really not thought about administration, but it was really very good advice because getting a, a master's in math wouldn't have qualified me for anything more than what I was currently doing. And it did give me flexibility that when I did reach a certain point where I thought, you know what, I could make a difference bigger than just the classroom. Although I will admit that is probably my favorite part of education was room 219 at Clinton High School, uh, getting to work with kids and getting to know them and, and really build confidence. Uh, you know, so many kids come in with math phobia by the time they're in high school. They either love it or they hate it. I took great pride on the kids that were very apprehensive or even hated math and being able, I, I always said, brainwash you to the <laughs> point where you actually could at least say it was okay or you actually said, you know what, this wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be. So uh, those pieces I loved. Uh, obviously, the administrative path that I eventually ended up following, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, another name I'll throw out was Dr. Freeman, which was actually a professor at Western Illinois University when I was going through my graduate program. And this is when I was still teaching. And he pulled me aside at a break and he says, you know what, you're doing a disservice to kids by staying in teaching. <laughs> which sounds kind of that, but he, what he was saying is you could have more of an impact as an administrator, touch more lives, more kids in an administrative role than what you're doing in the classroom. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, that always kind of resonated in the back of my mind as I got, got closer and closer to the point where I thought, well, maybe I should go into administration and see if I could make more of an impact because at Clinton High School, you're maybe dealing with 150 kids per day. That's who you're impacting. Obviously, when you're a principal, let's say at Clinton High School, you have the potential to impact a thousand kids. Mm -hmm. And if you're a superintendent of schools, you have the chance to impact 3,300 kids. So, you know, the upside of, of administration is you have more of an opportunity to impact more kids. The downside, I would tell you, is each step away, it gets more and more difficult to have those good relationships you would love to have with students. And I worked pretty hard as a superintendent, but it's still not the same as being a teacher. I, I really got to know my students well. Mm -hmm. Superintendent, I would get to know some students, like I, I'm very big into the fine arts. So, yeah. you know, I watch the kids that are in the plays and things like that and get to know them. Uh, you know, I used to coach basketball that in my, when I was a teacher, I was a basketball coach. So obviously I have some sports background and I enjoy watching some of them, but let's face it. I probably only know at Clinton high school right now, 50 to 60 uh, students that probably know me and I know them and we can greet each other. You know, that's not the same as when I had them in the classroom. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I guess it's a give and take, you know, you're having a bigger impact, but maybe you don't get all that personal interaction that you had as a teacher. But I know I'm really curious because so I obviously know you, Kate, and I both know you. And we kind of know a little bit about what you do as a superintendent. But like, 
a lot of it is just like, I don't really know what a superintendent does. So can you like, tell us like, what are your responsibilities? Like what was the job description of a (laughs) superintendent when you signed up for it or applied for it? (laughs) Uh, All duties as assigned. (laughs) Well, that's the, that's actually the verbiage at the on the bottom of the contract. After they give you the list of everything you're supposed to do, then they'll say any other duties as assigned. <laughs> so that's always that's always a joke among administrators. You're pretty much responsible for everything. But I think the big thing is, I think your first thing is as a superintendent, you need to sh- uh, create a vision of what you want in the district. And, and then I think that your second thing is, is to be able to communicate effectively to the community, to the teachers, to the administrators. These are the things that I think are important. Uh, and so I'm going to throw out some things that are important to me. Uh, one of the things you'll, you'll, I'll, I'll tell every year, I'll always say my one expectation of staff is that they are professional. They need to be professional with students because one of the things you always hear from teachers is, will you have my back if something bad happens? And my answer will always be, I will have your back if you are professional. Mm -hmm. So don't break that line of professionalism. I also have an expectation of respect for all students. I expect students to be respectful to that. And those are two of my core values. Another one of my core values is I want to put every position or every person to be in a position to be successful in the school district. So rather, whether they're in food service, a bus driver, a teacher, a student, an administrator, I think one of my premises is I need to put every person to the best of my ability in a position to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think one of the things as you move up the line, you really, you know, you'll go through these classes and they'll talk about core values and you may just brush that off and say, nah, come on, get to the nitty gritty. But when you get in, you truly get into my position. There are so many decisions you need to make. You really need to know what your core values are. So you have consistency because if you're not consistent, you will get picked apart. There will be people watching your decision-making and looking for inconsistency. And I think that's one of the keys for me is, is you need to give some, uh, some definite core values and then try to implement those to the best of your ability. You know, there are managerial aspects to my job as well. I, you know, I'm responsible for the finances of the district. Mm -hmm. So, you know, building the budget, uh, being able to provide, and again, this comes down to you know, what's best, putting people in a position to be successful. I guess another one of my things that's a core value, I want to do what's best for kids. Well, what I'd like to have is the lowest class size as possible. That's what's best for kids. However, there is a financial side to say, well, I can't get it down to every student has their own individual teacher. There isn't enough money to do that. So, but you find the balance to say, what, where is that balance where I can keep class sizes as low as possible, have the best interaction between teachers and students, and still pay the bills. Mm -hmm. So uh, those kinds of things. Uh, Obviously, decisions on uh, curriculum and how we're doing that. Uh, I obviously have assistants like Wes Golden works with me in that. 
but obviously we work together. One of the things I'm trying to do with the Clinton district, which is different, is to get us all on the same page. There's been a history of site-based management, and you still see it in the four elementary schools where uh, a third grader may not get a similar experience. Yeah. Just be just because there are 11 or 12 different third grade teachers and they are using different materials. Now they may be trying to teach the same standard, but it comes down to that individual teacher in terms of what is the rigor to that standard? What kind of an experience does that student get? And to me, we need more consistency that for any, you know, just pick it out, whatever grade, third grader, fourth grader, seventh grader, high school student, that if you're taking a common class, you are getting at least a very common experience regardless of who the teacher is. So this is, you know, another area that of emphasis that I'm trying to get done is, is uh, we've, uh, we've adopted a common language arts curriculum across the district. So like, for example, every third grade teacher is working off this resource now. So it doesn't matter if you're going to Jefferson, Eagle Heights, or Whittier, or Bluff. If you're in third grade, you're going to have exposure to that experience and that curriculum. And in our, you know, may have not been so much for you guys, but we do have a lot of students that bop around the city. I was going to say, I, I personally, I went to Jefferson, Eagle Heights, and Whittier. And well, so, you're one of them. So the only school I didn't go to was Bluff in elementary school. And I like, what you're saying is very true. Cause like I came in halfway second grade and then I went to like another school. And let me tell you, that was confusing because, because like you're learning one thing and it's not like the, I had very good educators and very good teachers and it's not like they were doing anything wrong it was just the curriculums were so different in the way that they instructed students and I mean you're going to have some of that anyhow because I mean teachers Mm -hmm. like certain teaching styles and they kind of capitalize on that but as far as content wise it was very confusing for like an eight-year-old to be going around to these schools and I'm like I have I never learned how to add and subtract negative numbers but now we're moving on to something completely different and I'm like oh no I forgot how to multiply (laughs) (laughs) I've never thought about that that is so important to make sure everybody's on the same page yeah and so that's been a you know that's another area of my job is to look at you know again my core value is what's best for kids I would I would say Olivia in some ways we failed you on that when you went through because learning you know learning is hard Moving from schools is hard. Mm-hmm. And now why are we making it harder that we're not on the same page? So you move from one classroom in the city to a different classroom. And then, it, like I said, there's gaps, overlaps, things that shouldn't be happening. And we just need to, to do what's best for kids. We need more consistency that everybody's getting a common experience. And that doesn't mean that teachers don't still have the originality of their teaching and stuff like that. But the content and the standards we're covering with a level of fidelity should be the same. Yeah. And I think that would, that would be very helpful for students as well. Another part of my job, human resources. Um, so yeah. that means dealing with staff. <laughs> it's probably, if you talk to most administrators, probably the least uh, favorite part of the job. Uh-huh. Uh, because a lot of times when you talk about human resource, it's issues where staff have not been professional. 
they have crossed the line. And uh, it is important that you deal with that because again, what's best for kids, what's best for all, you do need to be uh, having that in mind and you just can't accept unprofessional conduct. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in this profession, not just at Clinton, but in every situation when, when you are dealing with a humanistic enterprise like education, unfortunately, some people will cross that line. And if you're doing what's best for kids, you have to do make the hard decision. You do need to follow, do the hard work uh, to, because that's what's best for kids. Yeah. That's important. Well, that gives you a little synopsis of my, and that's just a little synopsis. But. Definitely. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. I guess, like, how does that look like in your day-to-day life? Does it, I guess, like, handling all those different things, like, meeting-wise and all of that, how does, what does that look like? Well, one thing is, is this job, when I was a teacher, you kind of knew how your day was going to go. You've yeah. lesson planned, you know the kids that are coming in, you know the kids that are probably going to have their assignments done. You know, the ones that probably won't have them done. You know, the ones you're going to have to bring in after school to get them caught up. I mean, you kind of had an idea. That was one of the biggest eye-opening things when I went into administration. I go into the day thinking, okay, these are the things I'm going to get done today. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, found out I didn't do any of that because, (laughs) because, you know, you get the parent that's going to walk into your office and it's something that was totally not on your radar. And then all of a sudden that becomes your number one priority of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it, particularly as a principal that happened more, uh, it still happens as a superintendent, although you usually have a better idea that it's coming to you because they'll normally originate at, at a building level with the principal. So I'll get more of a heads up. Although I still will have situations where the parent will come into the superintendent's office and totally blindside me. So the answer is, yeah, I I have a general plan of what I need to get done. Um, And every day is different, which I guess is something I enjoy. Never two, no two days are the same. (laughs) And, and you need to be flexible. Uh, because the bottom line is, is when, the, let's say that student or that parent comes in, you, they demand, you know, you need to give them a hundred percent of your attention yeah. because if they've come to that level <laughs> in their mind, this is a big deal yeah. and you need to treat that as a big deal. So, you know, unless, I, unless a school building's on fire, <laughs> I'm not leaving and I, I'm going to do everything in my ability to address that issue, investigate it, do whatever I need to do. That doesn't mean the parent always gets what they want, but I, they do deserve to be heard. They do need to have their concern investigated. And if there is validity, you do need to follow through with what you need to do. So, yeah, uh, yeah, my days, my days are very unpredictable. Um, but, you know, in a way, that's a good thing. Yeah. Although I will say, if, if you'd say, this is my, I'm finishing my 35th year in education, and you'd say, wow. what was my favorite part? I would go back to the six, first 16 years of Clinton High School. 
Well, you're doing fantastic yeah, now, that's cool. but I, we wanted to ask you a little bit. So it's no secret now that we're getting a new high school and that mm-hmm. is so exciting. I am, I was very proud of our community for getting out and voting and to be a part of that push to get our kids in an amazing new high school. So can you tell us a little bit more about that project or anything that you can tell us? I know some mm-hmm. things you probably can't say, but what you can tell us, please <laughs> let our eager listeners know. Well, there, there really aren't any secrets, Olivia. So I can kind of give you a little bit of, uh, yeah, first of all, uh, a huge thank you to the task force that really led that effort. And then obviously the community members that believed in it and and voted at 74.7%, which uh, I'll be honest, blew me away. But I also think it speaks to people's passion for education and the importance of education. Uh, It's going to be very exciting. Where we are right now is we're in the process of design. So we have had several meetings with the architect in terms of what do we want in a new Clip High School? Because this is going to have to last for the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm looking at, first of all, I don't want it to look like a high school. When you guys come in, when you guys come in and eventually look at it, I want you guys to go, Oh my God, can you go back through my transcript and find <laughs> out that I didn't, I didn't really graduate so I can come back. Yeah. That's, I want that kind of impression, but I want, I want, kids to walk in there and say, you know what, this doesn't look like a high school. What a cool place to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're going to say, what is that going to look like? Well, I, th- I think what it's going to look like is more of a workplace environment experience, or maybe even a little bit of a combination of what you might see at a college level, where you're going to see uh, areas by function. You know, okay. instead of a teacher having their own room, I think you're going to see rooms that are going to act like by function. So there may be an area where it is more of a a lecture area, but there may be an area that's more of a research technology area. There may be another area that's kind of a collaboration where student flexible furniture and students can work very easily work back and forth. Uh, One of the things we talked about is there's four kinds of walls now. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you think of walls like you normally do, but we're talking about movable walls, flexible walls, uh, no walls, basically using furniture, but things that you can move around so you can uh, subdivide into smaller spaces if you want, but you can also get into bigger spaces and be very flexible with that. Uh, We're also talking about making all space usable. So this maybe would look more like at a college level that There's actually work areas in the hallways, like little nooks and places so that, uh, you know, instead of being assigned in a certain area, if you don't have uh, things to do, you actually have different places where you can actually uh, do homework or you're working with a group, but not per se in the commons or in the library, but there's different areas like that. So um, I want it to be a green building. Yeah. Uh, So... uh, as much as we can do with energy efficiency. So some of the things we're talking about there is obviously high efficiency. I would like to see LED lighting. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's LED lighting now that simulates how the sun moves through the day. And there's research that actually shows that uh, workplace environment, people are more productive if you change the hues of the lights to Mm -hmm. simulate morning 
you know, noon hour. Oh, wow, that thing. is like some 20%. So, so you, yeah. So, you know, you think about you have that lunch and you got a full stomach and you're ready to fall asleep fifth hour or so. <laughs> Pump those lights up. <laughs> as long so, as you know, I'll be happy. As long as we have more windows at Clinton High School, I will be the happiest because it was always so funny that like we have a hallway called the Sunshine Hallway because it was it's the only hallway that had windows. So if you give me some windows, I'll be happy. <laughs> there, you will have a ton of windows that uh, just there won't be anything really in, interiorly embedded like after the fire and that's what you guys went through is really you look at the most of that 1919 building it was no no exterior windows and you were inside all the time and then when you go with you know fluorescent lighting which at the time that's what was considered best yeah uh, it's it's not a great and i'm gonna go back to it's not a great workplace environment it's obviously not a great school environment so i i, I think what you're going to see when you come and uh, that three-story academic building, we will break ground next April. Wow. Okay. So we'll get the design and we will get a general contractor in place and we'll get that. So April of 2021, we will actually get there. And then December of 2022. So you're basically looking at about 20 months, but probably Christmas break we will transition from the old building into that new uh, three-story academic building, which is about where 70% of the classes, you know, all your core classes will be in there. And then at that point, so kids by December, 2022 will be experiencing about 70% of their day in that new building. So the, it's not that far away. That is so amazing. And then I know some of you are theater. Then we will tear down <laughs> something, uh, that 1919 building, and then we're going to build a new music wing, which will be attached to a new performing arts center. Air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a CTE center will be on the other side. So the CTE center being next to the performing arts center, when you build sets, you actually are going to have access to, you know, all the equipment, if you're going to actually really build sets and do a nice job, it's actually a, a situation too, that you can actually drive the way it's designed. You could drive a car right on stage. What? Wow. That is so cool. I am so wow. excited. Like this just gave me like, I'm like, yay. Can't yeah. wait to see it. I'll present so many opportunities for. Right. So you're going to have adequate fly space. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we can have students up there 40, 50, 60 feet dangling. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a pit. Yes. And then obviously you're going to have all the state of the art lighting, sound system, uh, all those things. Okay. So you, uh, Clinton High School will, on the theater, um, you know, and obviously your band and vocal concerts will have a state of the art theater to perform in. We are uh, looking at about 900 seats. So wow, do have, that's amazing. Yeah, so we do have some outside venues, like some of the dance studios and things that actually fill it up. Um, the other thing is, is just given the size of Clinton High School right now, we can almost get all our students in there. So if you actually wanted to have a student assembly, but not have it in yard, you could mm -hmm. almost do it in there, especially if you just have a few people standing on the sides or whatever, you could get the student body seated in there. 
That's amazing. I am very excited to like, like, even though I'm not a student there anymore, it's so refreshing to like hear these positive things that are going to happen in the community because I know that it's it's going to make a huge impact in the way that the community views the high school and the way that surrounding counties also view view our school yeah and it'll just give kids like students just I just so much like happiness just going into a space that makes them feel excited like um, I'm so excited to see it I I am blown away by the support that like the Clinton residents have given mm-hmm. this new school and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. So I guess that kind of leads into my next question for mm-hmm. you is sometimes Clinton schools do have kind of that negative stigma mm-hmm. surrounding them. Yeah. So what is something that you would want someone who's listening to this that maybe isn't from Clinton? What would you tell them or what would you want them to know yeah. about our school district? Well, I I think we provide things that no other school district in Clinton County provides. You know, I'll give you some examples. Let's just start with the fine arts program. Um, Mm -hmm. We offer orchestra. Uh, Orchestra program is the only one offered by any of the Clinton County schools. uh, And it's got like a hundred year history. And obviously the Marstons are just uh, iconic figures, to be honest with you. And hopefully they'll continue uh, to build that program and, and do some amazing things. But you can go with the Royal King Marching Band. You can talk about a cappella choir. I mean, though, so you look at some of those things. If you look at things at the academic side, uh, we're one of the few ones that really offer a full plate of AP offerings. Um, so, I mean, if you are looking at that honors high-level track, uh, we we do a better job of meeting that need in my mind than any other school district in Clinton County. On the flip side, I think we offer things for uh, students that are great with their hands. So, for example, uh, we have the longest building trades program in the state, and uh, we have another house up for sale right now that's been student built. I, I believe this is like our 58th house that's mm-hmm. been built. Yeah. So uh, uh, just a unique opportunity that most kids do not have an opportunity unless they come to our school district. Uh, We just opened up a welding apprenticeship program so we could actually have juniors and seniors that are getting paid as they are moving through their welding apprenticeship. Wow. That's something new. Uh, And then obviously, I don't know if you guys took anything. We have the state of the art culinary facility around that commercial kitchen, which is over a million dollars. So you look at those CTE offerings, uh, I would say that those are things that you just don't see. I think if you looked at the social emotional side, which is a big thing right now with COVID-19, a program we put in place since I got here, you guys sort of missed it, is called Capturing Kids Hearts. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might, I don't know, um, Kate, if you talk to your sister, if she's seen some things at the high school with that, but that was something that the teachers got trained at the high school last October that should be getting implemented was put in the middle school two years ago and elementary was the same as the high school. So that's kind of a baseline thing that every teacher is working with on social emotional and it gives them a guidance so that again, we're talking about consistency. Doesn't matter what classroom you are in the district that you're getting those supports. We're also the only district that actually has embedded mental health therapists in every building. Uh, We've 
contracted with Life Connections. So we have we actually have a full time therapist in all four elementaries and at the high school. We actually have one and a half uh, therapists at the middle school. And so especially uh, giving those services uh, right there at the schools, a big service to to families and to those kids. And um, like I said, I'm trying to do everything possible to put kids in a position to be successful. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at all these different areas that we can do that. Yeah. Uh, We actually opened up uh, 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 the old, what you would call, you guys would think of Lincoln, but we're now calling it the Gateway Learning Center. So for students that just feel that Clinton High School is too big, they can't be successful there. uh, We've reopened that up as another avenue for success, that they can be in a smaller environment and uh, be successful there. And uh, a lot of those things that I've talked about are also resources there at Gateway Learning Center as well. And I could go on and on, but those are some things that I would say stand out in our school district uh, versus maybe some of our neighbors in terms of services that we are providing that other students don't have access to. Yeah, Yeah. those those components all make up our school district and each are so important and vital to continuing the great education that is provided in Clinton that Olivia and I can attest to. Yeah, I always recommend Clinton to people. Um, I think I try to speak positively about Mm -hmm. it as much as I can because I feel like the school really did you know, make me into the person that I am today, like the, between the educators and just the community, like I learned so much about who I was as a person and who I wanted to be as a person also. Yeah. That's a big part of it too. Yeah. But I would say, I would say the same thing. My experience, the 16 years at Clinton high school was just an amazing 16 years. Mm -hmm. I got to met so many neat students. And like I said, some of these students are now parents and adults (laughs) in the community And a lot of them just talk about the positive experiences that they had at that school and how it helped shape them. And I think one of the, if one of the things we need to do better is we need to share those. I think as Midwesterners, a lot of times we're taught to be humble Mm -hmm. and we don't share some of those positive things. So then all you do here is the issues and the problems and Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, I think we do need to do a better job of telling our stories and, and how that, impacted you guys, how that impacted some of your peers, uh, and how that can impact future generations. It's probably something we need to do a better job of. Yeah, I guess lastly, the last thing, if you can kind of give us a really short synopsis on how you guys are planning on reopening the school district in the fall. I know that COVID is something that changes every single day, it seems like. Kate and I... Kate and I are college students and we know that our schools are still very tentative to put out for sure plans about anything. So if you could give us like a little small pitch about what you are planning or what it could look like in the fall for students. Well, on August 1st, I'm going to call Olivia Cavan and Kate Struble and ask them what to do. (laughs) Put on the spot. Uh, Right now. Yeah, it's a great question. Right now, every school district in the state is developing what they call a return to learn plan, which you have to submit to the state. There's three different uh, plans. One, the required plan that everyone has to do is if you stay online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what they 
And then what you need to do is you need to address all these areas that I've talked about. How do you maintain high academic standards? How do you provide services to students, particularly like with second language, special education? How do you provide access to students that do not have internet access or a device at home? Uh, all those issues that would go with continuous learning. Um, my plan is if there is any way possible by guidance that we bring everybody to school on August 17th, uh, bring them in on site. So that means we got to really work hard on the health side. So what does that mean for sanitation and sanitation practices? You know, I think we're going to have to embed things where kids, let's say a high school kid, we're, we're basically going to pass some sanitizer, hand sanitizer at the beginning of every class period and everybody's gonna sanitize on that. What is the role of mask or face shields? Uh, and we're getting uh, advice on that right now in terms of who should wear them, who should not wear them. Uh, do we take temperatures? Yeah. Uh, those kinds of things. So if we are there, or the third one is a hybrid between the two. So that one would come into effect to say, let's say the state guidance is still social distancing six feet. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you would know that's going to be pretty difficult at Clinton <laughs> High School to do. So yeah. what would a hybrid look like if we have some students at school? And is it a rotation that, you know, every other day, half the kids that are there, then the next day they're online participating? One of those kind of situations. Uh, another thing that I'll be honest, I'm looking at is in a hybrid, I think it's harder for the younger kids and families if they're not in school. So do you look at doing a hybrid where grades K through six attend and I spread them out? So I put them in Clinton High School, some of those kids, oh, along with the elementary and the middle school, and then grades seven through 12 would stay online because they're older, more independent, better chance of being successful and it's less of a child care issue for families you know usually when they get to about seventh grade most parents feel comfortable leaving a seventh grader independent at home versus an elementary student yeah so these are all things that we're discussing right now i'm willing to guess we will not get final guidance until late july or around the first of august that'll say what is the final guidance, like with social distancing, with PPE. Mm -hmm. And then we'll say, can we meet that standard being on site? If not, do we go to a hybrid model where we only have some of the students there? If we can't meet any of it, that means then we're probably starting all students online on August 17th. That it sounds like I would not want to be in your position, yeah, yeah. but I'm glad <laughs> that you're the one heading this uh, kind of like organization organizational kind of setup. And, you know, I'm very glad that you are the superintendent. Um, I know we didn't have a lot of time. We were just about to graduate, I think, when you mm -hmm. first came into your superintendent role. But it has really been an honor to be part of Clinton Community School Districts and to have gone through from K through 12. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And we wish you the best of luck in deciding the COVID-19 guidelines. Yeah. And we know that uh, those decisions are really important and impactful for our community, but we know that we're in good hands. Yeah. Well, it, it, 
Thank you for reaching out, ladies. And if there's any time you want to talk, there's, I'm more than willing to do that. And it can even be, we could, we've been meeting a little bit now physically with social distancing, so it doesn't have to be online. Uh, I do want to say it, it's always a pleasure to, to visit with graduates of Clinton High School, ones that are very successful. And like I said, I didn't get to know both of you that well because it was that first year. But I know, Olivia, you ended up being a Jim McGraw service award winner um and then kate i remember you had some success uh, on stage and i remember watching you in the plays and that so you you represented clinton high school very well and i know you guys are going to go on to do great things and you know it's our hope that people like you will come back to clinton and come back and make a difference you yeah. know that one of the things i will say you know people ask why did you come back you, you had left for 16 years and then why did you come back as a superintendent? And I just felt like it was one more opportunity to make a difference for the city of Clinton, the students of Clinton, Clinton Community School District, and to do that. We need more quality people, and particularly people of your age, to come back to Clinton and say, you know what, this is a good place. It's a great place to, to work and raise a family. And we, need, we are the change agents. We can make a change for the positive for this community. And that's one of the things I will charge you moving <laughs> forward is this community needs people like you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm saying accept the challenge, you know, and hopefully we will get people like you to come back and say, you know what, we're coming back. We're going to make a difference. And, and the future of Clinton will be bright. Uh, thank yes, you, so, thank you much. so much. Thank you for taking time out of your day. And yeah, we look forward to the future of what CCSD looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And when we have an open house on the new high school, I expect oh, we'll both of you to be there. there. Oh, we will be there. <laughs> Don't you even think twice about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Lacey. Thank you. Have a great weekend, ladies. That was so informative. I think it's so important to have leadership, especially in our school district, that have strong values that they really want to instill, not only in the children of the school district, but also uh, all the educators too. Yeah, it's really important to just even say that. It was such a pleasure to talk with Mr. DeLacy and just to hear more about him, um, his goals for Clinton Community School District, and just hearing more from him about what's happening because there really is a lot. Yeah. Thank you again, Mr. DeLacy. I am so excited for the future of Clinton Community School District, and I hope you are too. Yes. It sounds like it's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of OK Clinton. Clinton. See you next time.